I do believe wholeheartedly in the power of photojournalism and visual storytelling to affect change. I have to get to know people. I have to spend some time with them. Oftentimes I have to put my camera down. I have to share something about who I am as a person and why I'm interested in telling their story. Otherwise, they're just going to feel uncomfortable not knowing why I am there, what am I doing, what are my motivations. So spending a little bit of time sharing something about myself, making that human connection, all my work now and for years has been built on that, on building relationships. And, you know, a lot of editors come to me for that kind of work. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. So if you're ready to join us in the hustle, listen, get inspired, and discover why in the end the creative journey is all worth it. Deanne Fitzmorris is a Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist, a Nikon ambassador, she's represented by Nat Geo Creative, is a teacher, and the co-founder of Think Tank Photo. I'm super fortunate to have traveled with Deanne to Cuba and have seen her in action as she brilliantly works a scene and really wanted to share her story with all of you. In this episode, we talk about the power of visual storytelling to affect change, what she's learned about her own process through teaching photography to writers, and how photojournalism can be your passport to the world. Deanne shares how she builds trust with her subjects and how she protects herself mentally when photographing challenging situations in order to humanize stories for the rest of us. This is We Are Photographers with Deanne Fitzmorris, and this is her story. I'm just going to dive right in, Deanne. Um, Many people know that you are a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer, and I know that you have recently, at the time of recording, just returned from England, and that you are working a story uh, about um, the street kids in Kibera in Kenya. So can you bring us up to speed on this last experience and the story itself? Yeah, sure. Um, So this story started in 2013, and I had gone to Kenya to work on a documentary film to shoot stills. And I met up with a friend of mine who lives there, and we decided we wanted to go to this orphanage where she knew someone who was rescuing street kids. So we went there and were amazed at the the work that she's doing. She's rescued about 100 street kids. So we decided to do a pro bono video for her, for her website um, to help raise money for the kids. So we did that. And during the process of that, we became attached to some of the kids. And we were just so surprised that some of these kids had grown up on the streets because they were so intelligent, so charismatic, so funny. And it was just so fascinating to us, the whole street culture, uh, what they had learned about living on the streets, how they created their own society um, and hierarchy for survival. So 
so we just kept going back after we finished the initial video. And so we have been documenting two or three of the kids, mostly two kids. The story keeps changing, but we've been uh, really focused on two boys um, since that time. And every year we've been filming them, actually. It's been, the project really has been about 95% filming and just 5% stills. So really telling the story, um, letting them use their voices to tell the story. And so we've just been documenting it for all these years and it's been fascinating to witness their lives and the choices that they're making and um, they're really going into diverging paths and to see what that's all about. So what brought you to England for the story? Yeah, well, it turned out that one of the boys, Julius, he started Skyping with some kids at a boarding school, at an elite boarding school in England. And this was arranged through the headmasters. And these, the people at the school just fell in love with him. So they raised money to be able to bring him from Kenya to England to experience the school and to spend 10 days at this boarding school. And we just decided we needed to go over there and document that. And it was fascinating. What was most surprising about that experience that you were able to capture? Well, you know, we saw where Julius came from. We saw where he slept on the streets. He came walking into this boarding school and it looked like something out of Harry Potter. You know, it was a castle. And, you know, there's all the kids and they're very, you know, elite um, British kids, you know, with these proper accents. And you know, he went walking in there and I mean, just knowing where he came from and seeing him navigate that world. Um, you know, when he first came in, he was very shy, but then, you know, after a few days in, he was just like one of the kids and they were all so wonderful to him and just really embraced him and um, they were very inclusive. What was it like for him to then go back? Yeah, that is, that's a big question. And I think we're gonna find out, I mean, there was real concern that they had about bringing him up that it would be okay this is something that maybe you'll never have um, but they were hoping that it would just show him what's possible and i think there is the possibility that you know they may find a way to bring him there so that he could attend school but i'm not sure um, they i think they all were more attached to him than they thought they would be i want to go back to then when you decided to carry this project through, how does a story like this humanize something that might be a, a bigger issue, uh, but you're able to tell that uh, via one person's story? Can you talk a little bit about how long-term storytelling allows you to do that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think my story of Salah is a good example of that because it, you know, it's a 14 year project now, but it's a story of the war. And it was a story about a little Iraqi boy who came to America for medical treatment after picking up a bomb and getting seriously injured. It was a story that we weren't seeing about the war. And so I felt like it really humanized um, an Iraqi family and how they were affected by the war. Um, so I think if the viewer can connect with someone and care about them, that they will be able to understand the issue better. And it's just part of humanizing, um, you know, uh, the things that we all share, 
um, you know, the same hopes and dreams. And if you can get that in front of the viewer, a lot of times they will open their minds. Um, you know, it's, I mean, there's a lot of division right now in the country and I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, how do I tell that story? How do I, um, how do I somehow humanize each side, you know? Um, so, you know, these are the things that I'm always thinking about. How do I take an issue and how do I, um, you know, bring, shine a light and bring some understanding to the issue? Do you believe that photography, visual storytelling can change the world? Well, I don't know if it'll change the world, but I think it is a start. You know, I do believe wholeheartedly in the power of photojournalism and visual storytelling to affect change. That's why I care so much about our industry, you know, and I do a lot of teaching and that is really about helping the next generation of storytellers to be able to continue with this craft that I believe in so strongly and tell the important stories that need to be told. I love that you do teach at places like Eddie Adams Workshop, at Palm Springs, a photo festival at Stanford. And I'm actually curious, what are the biggest challenges that you're hearing from emerging photographers? Because the, the landscape is incredibly different from, say, when you first started. I think the biggest challenge young photographers are facing now in the photojournalism world are how do you make a living? You know, how do you make a living as a photojournalist? Um, you know, when I started, it was really the common path was you you work at a small newspaper, then you move on to a bigger newspaper, and then maybe, you know, maybe that's it, or maybe you go on, you start freelancing at um, larger magazines. But, you know, the whole goal is to get the stories out that we care about. So making a living is one challenge. And then, you know, how to navigate it. How do I get my work in front of editors? How do I get my work published? So it's kind of a twofold thing, um, you know, making a living and getting your stories out there. What is a, a step that you suggest to people in terms of getting their work out there? Well, a lot of that happens at workshops and conferences where I go because it's about networking. So much of it is. Editors really want to know that um, that they can trust you if they're going to send you out on an assignment. And so meeting you face to face makes such a difference. You know, rather than a cold call, editors get hundreds of cold calls every day or, you know, every week. And, you know, they can differentiate if they have sat down and they've met with you and they trust you and they know that you will represent their publication well. And so it really comes from that. Then you, so you gradually start to build a relationship with the editor and then you know them well enough that you can just send an email. Hey, I'm working on this story. Is this something you'd be interested in publishing? So it's a, you know, it's a long-term thing, but it's same thing I care about in my work. And it's about building rapport and building relationships with people that I photograph as well as um, editors who I want to work with. I do want to dive a little bit further then into building trust because your work is very intimate. It's very emotional. It's very behind the scenes, day in the life. How do you go about building trust? How did you go about building trust in the streets of Kibera? That, that one was a difficult one with the kids. And um, what we did is 
we met some of the older street kids. We got to know them and they actually protected us. They were our fixers on the street and they were our security. They knew all these street kids and you know, if we were with them, then we were fine. So, I mean, it's different in every situation, but I think the core principles are the same. And I feel like I have to get to know people. I have to spend some time with them. Oftentimes I have to put my camera down. I have to share something about who I am as a person and why I'm interested in telling their story. Otherwise, they're just going to feel uncomfortable not knowing why I am there, what am I doing, what are my motivations. So spending a little bit of time sharing something about myself, making that human connection. And, and you know, spending time is a big part of it. You know, it's hard to just dive into someone's life and start documenting it. Uh, they have to feel comfortable with you and they have to trust you. They have to believe in you. And... You know, I think it's just, you know, how you come across and they have to believe that your intentions are pure. You know, it, it takes time. Sometimes it's um, much easier than others. It depends on the sensitivity of the situation. Um, but it's something that is a core part of my work. And it's all my work now and for years has been built on that, on building relationships and you know, a lot of editors come to me for that kind of work. Which it's, it is such a beautiful skill and talent that you have. It really is those connections and you can see that uh, in your, in your work for sure. I want to go back to your teaching and get diving in even a little bit more to who Deanne is. What have you learned about yourself through teaching others? I mean, it's an interesting thing. I just came from Lisbon and I was teaching a literary workshop there, which was very interesting. Well, I should clarify that. <laughs> I was teaching photography at a literary workshop. It was in depth. It was, you know, uh, two weeks and, and it was all writers. So I was surrounded by writers. I was teaching writers. I was teaching writers and poets. So it was something very different. Normally I teach photographers. And I, you know, I have worked with writers a lot over the years, but this was really different. And I learned a lot by teaching writers. I learned a lot about how different creative processes or fields um, can influence the field you're working in. For example, I learned so much from the writers, things that apply to my photography and things that will apply to my photography moving forward. Um, so it was just very, very interesting. So I think it's important, you know, that we read novels and that we go to art museums and galleries because there is a lot of crossover. I saw a lot of writers and how they approach storytelling and I always think that all my answers are gonna be within photography. You know, like I'm reading all the photography blogs, I'm looking at the daily news all the time, I'm reading the New York Times, I'm looking at, you know, so my world is so much based around politics and news and also 
what's going on in our photography industry. And I'm always thinking about the projects that I want to be doing. And I'm always thinking that all my answers are right there in the daily news and in the, in the photography world. But I spent the last two weeks in the writing world. And I see how they look at things more broadly. You know, it's much more reflective and broad looking at how they approach their stories that they do. It gave me so many ideas of how I want to approach my projects. I have multiple projects that I am in different stages of right now um, that are moving forward. And, um, you know, you and I have talked about, um, you know, projects that, that I'm interested in, that I want to move forward with. And I got a lot of clarity by spending time with writers, uh, a different way to approach my projects. That is so cool. And just the creative process is similar but different for different genres of creativity. You have an art background, is that correct? That's right, yeah. I went to the Academy of Art and, you know, um, started out in art. And, um, you know, that was before I found photography. How did you find photography? You know, I had always loved art and studied art history. And, um, you know, so I went to school for painting and drawing. and, And I was doing that. And I just remember spending my evenings trying to finish these art projects, sitting by myself in the studio where I was living and, you know, trying to paint and just frustrated and thinking, what am I doing? Is this really me? So I started to uh, branch out a little bit, you know, and I took photography classes and then it was like, okay, I know what I'm going to do now. And then I started taking all kinds of different photography classes and it was photojournalism that just grabbed me. And it, related so much to who I am as a person. I'm, you know, I love people and I love connecting with people. And I just think, okay, let's see, what do I want to do? Do I want to sit in my studio and paint at night, you know, or do I want to be out? Do I want this passport to the world where I am out photographing the current news and events and um, connecting with people and telling the stories of people's lives. And it was so clear to me that that was so much more who I am as a person. How then do you process some of the very heart-wrenching things that you see in the work that you do? So somehow when I see something horrible, I'm able to compartmentalize it and and in some ways, try to focus on the positive. And yeah, I generally look at people and I see the best in them. That's kind of my nature. But when I'm photographing a story that's difficult, I'm focusing a lot on the connection that we talked about, the trust and um, you know, getting in is the first thing I do. But then when I'm working in that space, I'm concentrating on what I'm doing so much that I think it helps protect me from the emotion. And I think it's important to feel the emotion because that's the only way I can convey it in my photographs. I have to feel something. If I completely turn off my emotions, I won't be able to convey that so that the viewer will feel something. But there's this fine line of how much I can feel it by concentrating on what I'm doing so much, you know, composition, angle, where do I have to be, um, anticipate, light, you know, I'm concentrating on all that. Um, It helps protect me a little bit. So there's just this space in there 
I work all the time, but I love what I do. And so it doesn't feel like work. I'm just really passionate about what I do. But I do try to find some balance, but it's always uh, it's always a challenge. <laughs> How do you course correct with stories as things are constantly changing? It's very organic. So it's organic in terms of what projects I choose to do. And it's organic about how I navigate a story when I'm in the midst of it. I really believe in the process. And I'm trying to do that more and more all the time. Just trust my gut, trust my intuition, and go towards stories that I'm interested in. And when they don't work out, not worry about it. Because I can't tell you how many times that something I thought was really important and I was devastated that it didn't work out. But then I look back a year later that a connection I made from that original thing turns out to be the real story I need to be working on. How is photography for you, as kind of final thoughts, a human experience? Yeah, well, the way that I work, it's a documentary style and it is just exploring and it's it's exploring the world and um, trying to tell stories as I go along. And it's made my life so rich. I have so much um, gratification. I'm so grateful for being able to travel through this life with a camera and to be able to enter into people's lives and learn about them. And I've experienced so much and I'm you know, really grateful for that opportunity. Where can people follow you as your stories continue to develop again long term so we can see you both in action but also the the final work? Yeah, um, my um, Instagram account is my name, Deanne Fitzmaurice. My um, website, uh, Facebook, you know, in the, all the usual places, but um, uh, people can follow me on Instagram is maybe a good, good start. Fantastic. Well, thank you. And thank you for all the work that you do. It was great talking with you, Kenneth. Thanks so much for the work you're doing there at Creative Life. I'm Kenneth Klosterman, and you've been listening to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. Thank you so much, Deanne Fitzmorris, for sharing your stories and your insights with all of us. Be sure to follow Deanne Fitzmorris on all things social media and see more of her work and find out how to attend one of her upcoming in-person workshops on her website, DeanneFitzmorris.com. Here at Creative Live, we believe there's a creator and a photographer in all of us. And yes, that means you. If you're looking to get fresh perspectives, inspiration, or skills to boost your hobbies, business, or life, we've got a class or two or thousands for you. Just head over to creativelive.com or download our free iOS app where you'll find classes taught by Deanne Fitzmorris as well. If you haven't already, subscribe, like, and leave a review for We Are Photographers wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of We Are Photographers.